1: Well, good day, good evening, good afternoon, good morning Whatever time it is by you Welcome to Line Drive Radio Yours truly, Mr. Paul Cuthbert Holding down the board here On Long Island in the great state of New York Home oh, for the Bronx Bombers little little last night in the Bronx, baby And it's time to bring all my LDR teammate, As always from the great city of Chicago And Mr. Tab Bam Tab Woo! What's going down? Shot Town on this lovely day
2: did we just get a little Ric Flair? Are you having a hard time keeping those alligators down, Paul? <laughs> uh, you know, it, it's, uh, it's a beautiful time to be in Chicago because the, uh, the leaves are theoretically going to change now that the kids are starting to go back to school. Oh, no. The, the Cubs have sprinted into third place in their central division. Crazy. And the White Sox have sprinted to a more intriguing and relevant third place in their division. Uh, obviously, uh, the Cubs being in third place just means that they are closer than the Reds and Pirates. Cubs being 16 games back of the Cardinals who look like they're going to start separating from Milwaukee. Uh, but the White Sox are two games back and I think, uh, we'll spend a little bit of time talking about that central division in the American league today because it, uh, it has become a fascinating, uh, proposition to consider. And for a lot of reasons that we probably don't want it to be over the past week. Good
1: stuff, though, right? I mean, this is what keeps us interesting. I mean, what a week it's been since the last time we've uh, spoken. I basically put the Yankees on notice. And uh, I tell you, brother, um, half of the fan base left that building in the top of the 10th last night. Half of the fan base, including me, turned off the TV last night.
2: Look, hey, the way things have been going for the pinstripes lately, you kind of understand it, right? I mean, look, they you look at playoff probability, you go to ESPN or one of those sites that gives you playoff probability, they're basically a 100% lock, right? There are three teams, four teams in baseball that have playoff probability of greater than 99.9% of getting in, and it's the Dodgers, Mets, Astros, and Yankees, but... Uh, and with the Yankees still maintaining a ten game lead, thanks in large part to the rest of that division, again, we've talked about this. Like the danger for the Yankees is that that they' leave the door wide open for that division like the Mets have. But the difference is that the National League East has crept up into the rearview mirror for the Mets, especially the Braves. But the American League East, you know right now the Yankees have including last night's thriller, uh, are three and seven in their last ten and they've only given up two games to the Rays. The Rays are five and five in their last ten, the Jays are three and seven, the Orioles are five and five, and the Red Sox are five and five. So even when they look like crap, they're hanging on to what they got. But it goes back to what I talked about last week. Last week we were like, eh, they gotta watch out for that number one spot and now they're three games back of the Astros for the number one spot in the American League.
1: Yeah, and I, I don't really care about that right now. But what I, I, I don't want to spend too much we spent a lot of time in the Yankees last week, and I don't even want to get into the, uh, the Central here. But just on, on a pure baseball thing, as far as, you know, watching the team, watching the games, watching them struggle. I mean, we've been coasting this whole season. The last couple of weeks have been just really tough. And then last night, just it really is the magic of baseball. Because mm-hmm. Chapman comes in there and it was just a nightmare, you know, and they, you know, they go down seven, four, it's just, it just seems like that, that, that you know, if you, you could just picture somebody getting just pushed further and further down into the sand. You could just feel the weight of it all just, just coming down on top of Booney and You know, he put Hicks in, he puts Chapman in. I mean, it's just all completely falling apart, and you could just see that. He literally
2: took out the playbook for getting second guest for the next three days.
1: Yeah, it was unbelievable, right? And you could just, the exasperation of all of us, you know, watching the game and everything. And I did, I just, but what I'm trying to get is like, I was still hanging in there. There's still just, you know, and I said this last week, they got to, you know, give him a couple weeks here. And as a fan, you just hang in, you hang in. But when it just gets repetitive, like, oh my God, they're just not gonna dig themselves out of this hole. And there just doesn't seem to be any um, you know, any possibility because everybody's waiting for Carpenter to come back and, and Stanton to come back, like and you know, Lemail goes down and he, you know, it's like it's just it's just the total frustration. And I did, I just quietly turned it off last night and I said, it's just It's just bad. We'll start over again. And then, you know, simply just go back on the Twitter before I hit the pillow. And I see that Donaldson just crushes this ball. And it just, how, we'll see how this win turns things around. But as a fan, then sitting there watching that Grand Slam over and over again. And then seeing the euphoria of the team and the emotion and this just big, huge, um, you know, exhale last night. I mean, Paul, we, what,
2: last night's game was one of those moments in the regular season that gets like five minutes devoted to it on the postseason DVD. Right? The yeah. montage, like you go win if it's a, a season, championship, if
1: it turns it around, you, yeah.
2: When you you and you look at it, and I think we're both old enough that we have the perspective to look at situations like last night, and I think that Donaldson is one of a couple third basemen this week who has rightfully been absolutely crushed by fans for not holding up his end of the bargain, especially offensively, right?
1: Offensively, defensively, he's been pretty fantastic. Same thing with Conor Falefa, same thing with Torres. I mean, defensively, all these guys have been playing pretty damn good. It's just the bats. But just in in the pure simpleness of being a baseball fan, seeing that emotion, seeing the fans going crazy— Seeing just, I mean, it's what a huge, you know, whatever happens here, going. I mean, if it turns things around, but I think that's just the amazing thing about baseball is that you know they lose that game last night. Man, I don't, I don't know what today looks like. I mean, you you get back in there, you just got to try and win games, right? But man, what an emotional uh, exclamation there! Uh, Great thing for Donaldson. Great thing for the team. And I just think it goes to where I was coming from last week, and I even said the last couple of days in the tweets and stuff like they're gonna be okay. And if if any if that hit last night, and the celebration just goes to show you, hopefully it is going to be okay. It's again, it's just I just want to get into the pure baseball aspect of it, and, and this is this could happen, and it will happen, and it has happened this season for a lot of different teams, and it's moments. And it's opportunities, and it's swing shifts, and it's just the that's the beauty of the game. And last night, like I said, I'm, you could people cursing, grabbing their heads, going crazy, turning TVs off, leaving the stands, and then you get a moment like that, and it and it could it really could turn into a huge tidal wave now as the as the Blue Jays come in here. And man, if the Yankees can jack things up and and just kind of get back in the driver's seat, it's going to come down to. You know, midnight last night in the Bronx, bases loaded, and JD up there and crushing a ball. And that's all I want to say. And it's not so much just—I uh, think just—I just want to bring that up and, and show the emphasis on it. Just on a pure being a fan of baseball, if you're a diehard team, you know, we'll get into all these other teams. But if you're following the Orioles right now, you know, if you're if you're if you're watching the Braves and the Mets play each other right now, I mean, these are just—it's just great baseball. It's exciting stuff. Yeah. And the teams that have been struggling, the teams that didn't get a, even a sniff at the beginning of the season now because of the new wild card thing, this is exciting. It's great. And it's just unbelievable how things just turned last night. And I just want to leave it there for the Yanks as far as a fan and just a fan of the game, just watching that go down last night after actually – you know, the, the white flag was really getting hoisted up and onto the top of the flagpole last night.
2: Yeah, well, and, and speaking of series that you want to watch um... – Houston came into Chicago and you got one of the premier pitching matchups statistically in a while uh, with Verlander and Cease. uh, Lots of hype around that. Uh, You know, a handful of times in the last 50 years or so that you've had two guys with a sub two ERA with at least 20 starts into a season going to work against each other. Um, Just, and, and, I alluded to it uh, with Donaldson, the other third baseman who's just been getting absolutely crushed by fans in this city for his lack of offense has been Yon Mancada mm-hmm. in Chicago. And this is a guy that expectations have been high since the Red Sox signed him out of Cuba. And he's shown flashes. But there have also been times that you're frustrated as heck, right? And you're waiting for that moment from a guy. And you got that from Donaldson last night. And the first two games in the White Sox Astros series, the script played out almost identically with Mankata coming up in a tie game in the bottom of the eighth and delivering the knockout blow. And it really felt like, you know, is from a White Sox perspective with Luis Robert having ongoing issues with whether it's a hand wrist issue or uh, the blurred vision issue that cost him a few weeks. You know they they've they've had every injury excuse known to man, but when you have injuries, you need the guys that are in the lineup to step up. And we've talked about the Larusa stuff. There was a viral vid, a viral video that popped up earlier this week of a fan in the front row next to the dugout yelling at Tony Larusa to pinch run Angle for Jimenez. And you know a already in the box and the pitcher's getting set and he's got to call timeout and go get Angle out there. And everybody's like, oh, the fans making the decisions. And even on the post game, like, Ozzie Ginn and Gordon Beckham are laughing, and they're like, that should be a promo for the team. Like, sit in the front row, and you, too, can manage the Chicago White Sox. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, you laugh about it, and LaRusso's like, oh, I know the matchups. I'm, I'm fine. Sure you do, Tony. You fell asleep before a game even started a month ago. But um, but but here's what makes the Central so fascinating. You, you've got Moncada starting to wake up. The White Sox have been hot. They went they went on a heater here. They won five in a row. They're six and four in their last ten. Uh, before last night, which Makata came up in the same spot again last night. They were actually chasing one, but they had two on in the eighth. And uh, he struck out on just a gorgeously painted 99-mile-an-hour fastball in the absolute bottom outside corner of the zone. Um, and, look, it's baseball. You're not going to get it every single time, and getting it two days in a row is miraculous. Three days in a row you're going to write a book. But now you got the White Sox sitting two games back of Cleveland and one game back of Minnesota, who have won three in a row, but they scuffled for a bit in there. And what's interesting here with this whole situation is both Cleveland and Minnesota have uh, probably taken their checkbooks out and had a conversation with the league office in the past week or so. Uh, Minnesota lost a game on an overturned call. At the plate, uh, runner was ruled out, team challenged, and the booth in New York ruled that Gary Sanchez had blocked the plate illegally and they gave him the run. And then uh, just in the last couple days, Cleveland had the exact same situation hit them where Javi Baez is sliding into the plate and Austin Hedges tags him out he's called out on the field you get a challenge and it's overruled and they lose that game and if you heard the comments from hedges after the game for cleveland and rocco Baldelli, the manager of the twins after that game they were almost identical and it they were furious and they've got every right to be furious because this isn't with all due respect to uh you know where the Detroit Tigers are at or the Oakland A's are at or the Cubs and the Pirates are at this isn't a guy blowing smoke about uh, the integrity of the game even though the game is effectively meaningless for the team because they're not you lose a game there it's one of 80 90 100 games that you're going to lose over the course of a season it's just one more game that you lost you know throw throw the mark on the wrong side of the ledger and move on kind of a thing. These are two teams that are in the thick of a pennant race with a White Sox team getting hot at the right time chasing both of them. And they're they lost games that could prove to be critical. Yeah. Because of something that was completely out of their control and frankly that the hedges call, I understood a little bit more on the overturn than I thought Sanchez was clean on his. Um, you know, but th- this is a rule that was put into place. It was collectively agreed to by the players association and the owners after Buster Posey got hurt. And that was a devastating injury to a superstar. And obviously, when superstars get hurt, that's when rules start to change. But there has not been consistency with how it's called on the field or the review booth in New York. And these were, these were a couple games for teams, again, in the thick of a playoff race that had game-changing moments that could directly impact their playoff hopes, changed by something that was completely out of their control. And, you know, Paul, I'm sure that you've, you've seen everybody blowing a gasket here uh, over it in the last couple days. And I think when you see calls like that happen, all it does is put up the radar of every other manager in Major League Baseball that this is something that shame on me if I don't, if a guy gets tagged out at the plate. Now, if you're a manager, shame on you if you don't challenge because you don't know which way it's going to go, but you might as well give it a shot because the way that those two were overturned and the way that managers and catchers, especially, are almost universally blasting the way that that rule is being interpreted. You almost have to. And unfortunately it's going to take the decision-making off of the diamond. And a guy's going to make a decision and tell the on-field crew what the decision is through a headset. And this isn't safe at first base. And the pitcher can just go, you know, get a ground ball, double player, strike a guy out and get out of it, wiggle out of it. This is directly leading to a run being put on the board. And, you know, Paul, I, I don't know where you're at on it, but I, I'm not a huge fan of the way that New York has interpreted the rule. I agree with both Hedges and Baldelli. I think that we need to have you know some personal accountability for whomever it is in New York who gets to sit sight unseen and make these decisions without having to face the music, the post game media, uh, you know, the pool reporter coming in and asking pointed questions. The pool reporter who gets to talk to the umpires can say. What happened, and the umpire who meets with that, you know, pool reporter is just going to say New York changed their mind. There's no the accountability rightfully is not on the on-field crew here, but it's the it's the Wizard of Oz, if you will, it's the man behind the carpet who is making this decision, and it doesn't feel like there's a whole lot of uh, ownership of the calls that are being made via review. And it's a really tough spot when you see playoff races being directly impacted by calls that a lot of people can rightfully take issue with. Um, So, Paul, I mean, what do you think about both those two specific situations? And then how do you feel about New York being able to interject itself without any real accountability or any kind of a face or voice or name being put to how these decisions are ultimately being made?
1: I don't know if we have enough time in this podcast to specifically go down this rabbit hole. Um, you know, I, I guess the when, when does it end? Where, where, how far does it go? You know, the, the whole human element of the game as far as the umpire crews on the field and, and this, you know, proposed transition eventually, whether it's laser strike boxes next year or, you know, I, I, you know using the New York and, and, you know, video review and challenges and everything else. You know, weight up against how many times it happens, game in, game out, inning out. You know, I know the implications here and there, but I think on an everyday basis and in every game basis and in every inning basis, because, it, yeah, that's a human on the field making the call, and that is a human that's up in the office in New York that's making the call. So it's always going to have this human element. And I don't know where where do we draw the line, Tab, Where is where is there a... Is there a middle? There's no middle ground here because ultimately um, it's, it's, it's human decisions. It's a human decision on the field. It's the decision by the catcher, his position. It's the decision on the runner, how he comes in you know, down the, the third baseline. And then there you go. And it happens instantly, it happens fast. It's, it's also the throw, whether the throw is coming in from a relay or the throw is coming in from the outfield. I mean, this is impact. This is like NASCAR crash kind of stuff. You know, who's the guy who caused the, you know, the 16-car collision there? And was it the driver's fault or was it the wind, you know, or, uh, or was it something mechanical? So here, with, with any kind of play that's on the field here, I think all I can say is, is I mean, I shake my head. I mean, what are you going to do? Of course, it's huge implications as far as standings, as far as wins and stuff. But there are so many other parts of the game that have implications on how a team does, whether in a game or in their season. I mean guys, I mean how how I mean, outside of booing a player who gets up there and goes one for twenty six, you know, in his last six games or something, whatever the heck it is, I mean how do you overanalyze that? And who's to blame there? It's the human being, right? He can't hit the ball anymore. He sucks or he's in a slump. So yep. with with regards to this, it's uh it's a slippery slope, man, as far as um nailing this down, and, and, you know, like I said, you know, if it happens to you, I mean, here's a perfect example, right? It happens, the same thing happens to two teams, and you got the managers on the opposite sides having to get upset and get challenged on the same thing that they would just, you know, it happened to you, it's fine. It happens to me, oh, now it's a big deal. You know, we joke about that. It's like it's uh, everything's fine if you're watching a game and something, a call goes against the other team, as the fan of your team, eh, you're not really, eh, oh, too bad. You know, like, um you know Rams fans against the Saints in a certain football game there a couple of years ago. I mean it went one way. Valid. You know what are you going to do? So I I don't know how they fix this tab. I just really don't know. As long as you have human beings playing the game and you have human beings calling the game and then you have human beings in offices ultimately deciding what the ultimate decision is, um it this this is not going to change and I don't know what the fix is.
2: Yeah, it's really hard. I, I... You know, as far as the fix goes, it's a work in progress. I think replay review in every sport on the macro continues to get better as you have more camera angles, higher definition views, the ability to slow stuff all the way down and reverse it and really take a frame-by-frame look at stuff. But it's when you have the big moments, like you brought up that playoff game between the Saints and the Rams and these two instances in baseball. I think the biggest thing for me is – Give me some. Players are held accountable, front offices are held accountable, right? John Daniels and and the, got fired as the president of the Rangers yesterday, in a fairly surprising move. That, the day after Chris Woodward, the manager of the Rangers, got boring, let go. Most, it was a boring press conference that guy
0: gave. Oh yeah,
2: Woo-hoo! But but it's like everybody has everybody gets held accountable in sports because you have. In sports you have the ultimate criteria for performance. And in every sport you have all sorts of other data that can lead you to believe that, you know, maybe there there's some, you know, third and second tier layers of data, you know, exit velocity on hits and a guy is just not getting lucky or he's hitting it right at people or whatever. And you see guys come out of it. Like Fran Mill Reyes comes to the comes to the Cubs and still getting great exit velocity and he's starting to look like the guy that Cleveland and San Diego before that had such high hopes in. But ultimately it comes down to production wins and losses and the data that you have, the stats that you put up is how you're graded. And there's accountability to that because there's a name attached to everything. And, you know, one of the guys who's taking a little bit of heat for what he didn't do at the deadline right now is the GM of the Mets. And we'll get to that in a second, but you know, everybody takes heat except for the guy behind the curtain who is making these decisions. And so for me, I don't necessarily think that the fix is becoming better with how you interpret the rule. I think that'll happen. There will be conversations about that in the winter, but I would just like to see, more of more ownership of who is making these calls. You
1: know that's not going to happen though.
2: Come on, me It man, needs to. It needs to. I it know needs but it's not going to
1: gonna happen. And the accountability thing? I mean, we're talking big money, big sports here. Like I said, uh, it's 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 just too there's so many I'm with you, man. and, and, and uh, how, It's never going to be perfect. It's just not going to be perfect.
2: It, it, it's not going to be perfect. But I think the other reality here, Paul, is that if the Yankees were in the position that the Cleveland Guardians or the Minnesota Twins are one game up and had a questionable call like that changed the dynamic, if it had been the Los Angeles Dodgers... Okay, had, I, 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 Then I think that the narrative is a little different than a couple smaller mid-market teams in the Midwest in a division that no one talks about.
1: But that's the same thing where you got maybe, well, Garrett Cole's in here and he's 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 given up, uh, you know, home runs in the first couple of innings. He's the $100 million freaking star who's not, you know— doing his job out there, and the Yankees are losing that game just on the fact that they have a bad player. So now when you turn around and you start bitching about calls that you're not getting, I just think, like I said, it all kind of one way or the other evens out. Maybe the Guardians, if they played better baseball, the White Sox played better baseball at the beginning of the season, they wouldn't have to worry about these plays at the plate. That's the other thing. I'm I'm throwing a different angle, and I think that's how – I mean, I know you know, and everybody else knows it's never going to be perfect, but I think that's the – I think that's also too as a, as fans, as sports fans. Now we want everything to be perfect. The calls have to be perfect. The plays have to players have to be perfect. You know, I mean, this is this is what it comes down to. The Yankees slump here. I mean, they could do no wrong for the first seventy games, right? Now all yep. of a sudden. They keep dealing right. Now you got uh you know ESPN uh commentators who didn't say a word about them all season long. Oh, but when they start, you know, sucking a little bit, oh, it's a big opportunity to make a big splash on on social media here. It's all part of the animal tab. You know that. Yeah. You know, it so is. Say, like um, and we cover hockey and we, you know, uh uh you know, football and everything else too. I mean, it's just it, it's an imperfect thing, but I always look at it like that way. Like I'll take I'll take my daughter real quick for as a reference, you know, you, and you can. I'm sure you could say this too with your sons playing baseball. You know, you're not going to win all the time, and then or you know when you see another kid on another team come through with a either a, uh, a playing a great game or a kid comes down and you know uh, this happened last week. Uh, my daughter's playing another team. There's another girl out there. She weaves and bobs through a p- couple of kids and she buries a a long ball into the top right corner. My daughter's kind of got somewhat the same skills, and but she couldn't finish on a on a, an equal play, right? The difference is, and I told my daughter, I said, that girl over there probably comes home every day and she practices her butt off. I said, you're not out there practicing your butt off every day and that's why you can't finish. So that's on a player's aspect in terms of you can improve yourself in terms of being a, uh, a better uh, productive person on the field. And that goes for all players and stuff. And like I said, if you're productive, you get a chance to be there in the end. Thus, the situation the Yankees are in right now because of all the good work they did right now in the beginning of the season, and if they get through this lull, um, and they still got a 10-game league, and we talked about this last week, um, they'll be okay. And all the other crap that happens, I think all of them, players association, management, ownership know that the baseball, obviously, is a human game. A lot of guys involved here, and there's going to be things that just are going to ruin games and ruin chances to get in but if you win if you hit the ball if you get people out and you put wins in your column then stuff like this doesn't matter then that's and that's just the imperfection of the game but like I said get out there and win don't worry about what the ref's doing don't worry about what the arms are doing go out there and win
2: yep I'm with you on that and uh and you're right and you know to transition a little bit out of that and I'm you made it. I think the best point that you made is if you had if you are Cleveland or Minnesota and you had taken advantage of the schedule that you had and the fact that the White Sox were just painfully, desperately chasing mediocrity and doing everything that they could to make this division interesting, even though on paper I think everyone thought the White Sox would win it, running away this year, much like the Yankees and Astros are. If you'd handled your business and won a few more games, and if you're Cleveland, you're more than eight games over 500, if you're better than one game over 500 on the road, you, you, that single win out of 162 or loss isn't magnified as much as it is Absolutely. now. Yep. Now, the flip side of that is you, your Mets uh, in New York here. Um, Who, by the way, are are, not uh, my Mets. You keep saying that I am not a Mets (laughs) fan. (laughs) Okay, so your Mets uh, are a half game in front of Houston right now. For uh, the second best record in baseball at 76 and 42. They are three games clear of the Bronx Bombers in that regard. But they've got problems because the Atlanta Braves, who are four and a half games back, are eight and two in their last 10. They're going to get Ozzy Albies back here at some point. Their pitching is starting to work. And uh, they are 72 and 47. So the second place team in the National League East now is percentage points behind where the Yankees are at. And with what the Braves did last year, I think that that rearview mirror at City Field was showing things that were way the hell closer than they appear for a long time based on how last season fell apart. And if you're the Mets, you got to be a little concerned. Look, you know, Scherzer goes out and pushes last night. They got DeGrom tonight. So if you're a Mets fan, you're like, look, you know, last year the problem that the Mets had was DeGrom's the ultimate stopper. And uh, when he goes down for the second half of the season, you don't have a stopper. And you're begging guys like Carrasco and Walker and, Marcus Stroman to carry the mail, and you don't have that guy to go out there and just dominate a game and end a losing streak by himself. Now you've got Scherzer and DeGrom is back, so you've got two stoppers in theory. But the first two games of the series that the Mets had, and look, you know, Brett Batty coming in last night in his first major league at nice bat, moment. Hit, hitting a home run, and his family's losing their minds. That was really cool. You love to see that. Um, and it was a big win for the Mets because the Braves put it on them hard in the first two games of this series. They outscored them by two touchdowns, Paul. And that's not ideal if you're the Mets. You have games where that happens. I mean, look, after last night, the Mets are 7-3 and in their last time. The Braves are 8-2, and so they're almost break-even with that four-and-a-half-game lead here. And again, they got DeGrom going tonight, so theoretically... You know, in their minds are going to break even in this four game set with their two horses going to going to the bump. But here's the concern. If you're the Mets, there were a lot of people that looked at that rotation. And Chris Bassett's been terrific. And obviously DeGrom is back. But the GM didn't go out and get a, another starting pitcher to give him a little bit of depth to give him the option to go to a six man Houston's looking like they could basically roll with a six-man because they got McCullers back, which is not an equivalent of DeGrom, but they were rolling five, and they got a, a stud back, and so now they can roll six. The Mets got DeGrom back, and now they're rolling a five, and they felt pretty good about the five that they had that they could roll at the time. But you also have to keep in the back of your mind that DeGrom has had these issues over the last couple years you got to bank on the fact that, you know, you cannot absolutely with a 100% certainty say that you're going to get every five days a DeGrom start the rest of the way. Scherzer's dealt with some stuff himself. He's, he's not 28 years old anymore. So a lot of people felt like the Mets should have gone out and gotten a, another starting pitcher. And they didn't rightfully want to trade Batty. Or Francisco Alvarez, who in some people's eyes is the number one prospect in baseball now. Potential superstar catcher. So you understand the rationale there, but here's where this gets tricky. The first two games in the series, they lose by two touchdowns in two games. And then you have Carrasco come out of a game after a couple innings with an oblique issue. And that's a dangerous proposition for a pitcher because of the stress that pitching puts on uh, for those that don't know what an oblique is, it's basically the love handle area for those of us that are not in the shape of a major league baseball player or <laughs> professional athlete. Um, WebMD coming to you live on uh, Line Drive Radio this week. He's got a love handle contusion. Um, but Carrasco leaves after a couple innings, and he looks like he's going to miss you know, three or four weeks here at a crucial part of the schedule with an oblique issue. And the next day, Taiwan Walker comes out after a couple innings with back spasms. And so now all of the Mets fans were like, oh, this is great. We're good. We're fine. The Braves can come, but we've got the ground. We got Scherzer. We're good. We got plenty of pitching. There, were, there was a section of that fan base that was saying, could have used another arm just in case. And obviously, look, Carrasco came back from fighting cancer while he was in Cleveland. But he's had other issues crop up since he and Lindor were traded to the Mets. Taiwan Walker had some health issues down the stretch last year that kind of, again, just poured gasoline on the lack of DeGrom fires. These are guys that throwing 35 starts in a year isn't a guarantee or even a certainty or even something that you should be banking on. And so if you're the Mets, Paul, are you concerned right now that even with DeGrom and Scherzer shoving it like the all-world, everything's that they are, are you are you concerned about the fact that two of your starting pitchers now have got some physical issues that they're fighting their way through.
1: Me? Personally? Are you asking
2: me? They're your Mets. <laughs> they're, they're your not. Mets.
1: You mean, you're asking me, the diehard Yankee fan, if I'm concerned about the Mets?
2: I've been railing I mean, look, about- I, I, I realize that as we're recording oh. this, you're putting on a Ronald Acuna Jr. jersey.
0: <laughs>
2: uh, <laughs> and, and, and you've got your... Uh, your Buck Showalter uh, voodoo doll sitting there with a pair of scissors in it. but I got
1: I got two it, things to tell you right now, right? Um, <laughs> I've got uh, – and if you're in town next Tuesday, Tab, please come on over. I'm having a bunch of the boys over here. We're watching the, the Mets Yanks in the backyard here in the Oasis. So oh. get on a flight and come on over, buddy. All right? That's number one. Well, if, the f- and, if the flight
2: actually leaves. i got as much a chance of getting on an American Airlines flight right or now as I do have in the <laughs> – Mets have a guy (laughs) last three innings healthy.
1: So, look, uh, and I'm, you know, if if these next seven days, if if the Mets go one way and the Mets go the other, uh, next Tuesday should be a lot of fun. The other thing I want to tell you, on uh, Tuesday, uh, August 30th, me and my little guy are going to City Field with our Dodgers hats on. And uh, oh, I'm, I'm oh. going to tell Don't Danny Bernstein. Bernstein uh, yeah, I got to tell Danny. And, and we plan to be in the stands with voodoo dolls. <laughs> so if you're asking me, if I'm concerned about that, I've been saying this for years. Mets fans, until they hand you, the, until that last out is called, and you can celebrate on the mound, you are destined for disarray, for just uh, you know, calamity, everything. There's a long way to go. Look, I'll tell you this, man. You know, it's full marks to the Phillies and the Braves here, okay? And I said this last week, too, about the Yanks. You you want Baltimore playing good. It makes you a better team. Because ultimately, you know, looking in the rearview mirror and having teams chasing you and everything else, you know, you need that. You need that little fire... You know, in your arse there to keep things going, and don't tell me the Yankees even too, even with ten games and stuff. Oh yeah, whatever. But they're getting a little concerned, and, and and you need to play a little harder, and you need to play a play a little smarter. So, you know, as a, as a as a baseball guy here watching the Mets, I, you know, I think all of us know this. All the money that they put into it, and you know where they're supposed to be, and we touched on it last week. Um. It, it, it comes down to, again, what I said about the Yanks too, these are professional baseball players. The Mets just got to show up. They didn't show up obviously the first two games of this season, and it's run a little ragged. But, Tab, you know this. If you're a championship team, the best teams will deal with this. They'll handle this. And if they ultimately get to the other side, then all of this that they're going through right now is a part of it. I mean, you take the Mets on a on – you take them out of it, just bucks. Bucks first season here. Um, you know, just in a managerial side here, what he's doing and if he can, you know, uh continue to have the sex and people say success and people say, Oh, well, look at the lineup he's got. Yeah, well, I don't know. I think, you know, you, you could look at your you know, LaRusa there in Chicago. <laughs> you know, yeah. I think the manager has a big part of um the ebb and flow of a team.
2: So look, in short, and, you know, Buck, Buck. to that point, though, real quick, Buck has been the right guy for the Mets. I don't think there's any question about that.
1: Yeah, no, you, you needed a veteran, an experienced guy there. You needed a guy who would command respect from, from players as well, too, especially today with, uh, you know, uh, big contracts. And, and we we got to get more into this tab in the next couple of weeks in terms of the guys who are managing the benches uh, amongst these races, you know, and, and, and how they handle things. You know, Dusty Baker now... You know, with these with these Astros, it's that that's just something else. Um, you know what's going on in LA. I mean, and, and just as these races, uh, you know, heat up here, and they let's let's put it this way they're they're hot. Everything's going good right now, um, but just to, the way teams get managed, and I think this gets gets around to what you're talking about in terms of are you concerned about the Mets and everything else? I don't know so much. I might have been concerned if there's somebody. I think it's a great point if somebody else was managing this team right now um buck's a good temperament he knows this city um and he's got a pretty good handle on what he's got going on right now and now like i said the mets deal with a couple of injuries here which they've kind of dealt with all season long too and they're in the mix but i would turn it around and like i said tip of the cap to the phillies here and the braves for bringing the heat and uh it's just going to be great baseball on on both leagues man we've we've been raving about this the last couple of weeks man as far as the wild card races here and, and uh I can't wait to continue talking about this going forward and watching how things unfold here. But I don't know if the Mets really need to worry about anything right now. And it might benefit this squad with this money, with these egos and everything, to have somebody chomping at their heels right now because ultimately I don't think at the end of the day, and I'll even say this for the Yankees, and maybe the Astros too. you got to be careful a little bit here too. You don't want to coast too much, Tab, especially when you're getting down to it. Because I think you need to have a little fear and understand what's at stake here um, because if you coast through, you, that becomes laziness, and that's where things will drop, and you can get a series taken out from you like that, um, and it could change things. So,
2: Yeah, you know. being able to get away with less than your best is a dangerous proposition, and Absolutely. I'm completely with you. I, I would rather be the Mets fighting someone off yep. than the Yankees looking like absolute dog crap for two or three weeks, and still having a double-digit lead (laughs) It's
1: crazy, right?
2: Because (laughs) the worst thing in the world in any professional sport is successful complacency. Mm -hmm. Because when less than your best is good enough, it's not going to win you games when it matters. So uh, I'm with you on that. Uh, I'm going to actually go ahead and transition us out of our New York groove Mm-hmm. I like all that. into I'll our line drive radio. Really? I like it. Yeah, uh, you'll see where I'm going with this. Uh, into our line drive radio uh, fantasy ad of the week. Um, uh, out of the New York groove into Cincinnati, where uh, an outfielder who has been banged up for a while by the name of Jake Fraley mm. wow. has oh, bro. Oh, ascended to the. Uh, he's uh, Reassume the leadoff spot for the Reds, <laughs> who just lost Joey Votto for the rest of the year. It sounds like he's got some health issues that he's going to have to Can go I and get cleaned up. just say real
1: up. quick I love the name Joey Votto. I don't know why, but maybe yeah. in, a, in a New Sopranos reboot or something like that, I think Joey Votto should be a character name. <laughs>
2: And, you know, it just – it, it I wish that he'd played in Minnesota because Badou is not just it, – it feels like a name that that Minnesota accent would really do some justice to. But uh, he, he's one of our favorite Canadian Mounties, and he, he's – I think that the on-field conversation that he had with the broadcast booth at Fox was terrific during the Field of Dreams game. But uh, but he's he's out, but Jake Fraley's back in. He's owned in only 5% of Yahoo Fantasy League's. Uh, but he's uh, he's betting three sixty four over the past week with uh, four seventeen on base percentage. He's gone deep twice. Again, he's leading off for a team that has absolutely no expectations or aspirations of doing anything special. But this is a, a young dude who's trying to make himself into a, a viable long term play. Uh, in the last week, twenty two at bats, three strikeouts, two walks. So the ball's consistently getting put in play. Uh, and this is an offense with Jonathan India, again, coming back from injury as well, that I think he's going to be able to take some advantage of a schedule in a division that really isn't that good beyond St. Louis and even Milwaukee's fighting it right now. Um, so our fantasy ad of the week here on Line Drive Radio is, Jake, don't call me Ace Fraley nice. of the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, if you need some outfield help, if you've got guys getting dinged up, uh, he would be a tremendous addition. I thought about going with Jose Siri of the Tampa Bay Rays, but I don't <laughs> know if you saw this, uh, Paul, but apparently they were talking about Jose Siri during a Tampa Bay Rays broadcast and uh, and someone's phone activated and said, what do you want? Shut up, Siri. Um, so we, we aren't going to go Jose Siri. Uh, and one other thing that I'll mention before we, Uh, Turn the sprinklers on here because uh, terribly unfortunate scene in Milwaukee earlier this week that actually made for some uh, absolutely breathtaking television. I don't know if you saw this, Paul, but one of the things that a lot of people love to do when they go to Milwaukee now is uh, they have some poor guy go up and climb up the ladder and go down Bernie the Brewer slide. Cliff Floyd did it the other day. Uh, And David Vesey, I'm probably butchering his last name, who does uh, a lot of Dodgers stuff. He does some stuff for MLB Network. Good dude, fun dude. Uh, Works for uh, AM570 out in L.A., out in Dennis Bernstein's neck of the woods. Uh, He did the slide thing. And uh, he did not find the safety break very quickly. And if you've seen video of going down the slide, uh, the the landing spot, not big. Uh And uh, Cliff Floyd kind of barrel rolled into the wall and played through. David did not. (laughs) Uh, He plowed into the wall pretty hard and rolled over, doubled up in pain. Uh, He did it before the game, not during the game. But uh, John Boy, who does a great job on Twitter, tweeted a, a tease to the video uh, of the broadcast last night. And they showed the video of him going down the slide, crashing into the wall hard, uh, rolling over in pain. And, and you've got Nomar in the booth with the guy, and, and they're, they're talking, and they're kind of chuckling a little bit. And they cut to him on the field, and he waves at the camera with the hand that's not holding the mic. And it's not holding the mic because it's in a cast. Uh, apparently he suffered like a, a, a broken arm and six fractured ribs <laughs> going down the slide in Milwaukee for a bit. Oh, man. So, uh, so shout out to him. Uh, you know, if, if the, if the Brewers hit the ball as hard as opposing TV guys hit the wall out there, maybe they'd be <laughs> closer to the Cardinals right now. I'm feeling better about their playoff hopes, but <laughs> tough spot there. But uh, I think, uh, you know, as we put a bow on it today, Paul, the beautiful thing about where we're at right now is that you've got, and we said this before the season started, we've got added playoff spots. And I think the the National League, it feels like, is sorting itself out a heck of a lot faster than the American League. But you can make a case that the entire American League East has a shot at a playoff spot still. Oh, yeah. And you've got a Seattle Mariners organization that hasn't been in the playoffs in two decades looking like they've got a really good crack at doing something special. And you've got a division race in the American league central with three teams separated by two games. Baseball is hot and there's a lot to be excited about and a lot to really make sure that you're tuning in and watching not only your team, but then flipping over to MLB network or your favorite podcast, hopefully here at line drive radio or elsewhere. Uh, or watching, you know, listening to MLB radio, um, because there's so much going on, and so many moving pieces, and some kids like Batty with the Mets getting called up that are going to make an immediate impact. That it is a really exciting time for baseball, uh, and there's a lot to pay attention to and a lot to be excited about. And I think that's what we do this for. That's why we love it, and uh, that's why we do Line Drive Radio.
1: Absolutely, absolutely love it, man. And I'm excited for these uh, these next few weeks coming up. Tab, I'm going to do something real different on the way out the door here. And again, the invite is still for you next two, uh, in two weeks. Yeah, I think next Tuesday, right? Come out and watch the Mets-Yankee game. I'm going to read you my invite to my buds to come over to this game next Tuesday to watch the game here in my Oasis, okay? Gents, you are invited for a backyard Mets-Yanks game viewing Shindig and Barbecue at my house Tuesday, August 23rd. Doors open at 5.30. Game starts at 7.05 p.m. This will obviously be weather permitting. Name calling and chop, chop busting will be allowed. Violence only yeah. permitted if the Yankees lose. Any Mets fans <laughs> choosing to come must sign a waiver at entry. Bring your own spirits, food, and soda pop provided. Best, your brother Pauling
2: <laughs> throwing the non-disclosure agreements out there. If you're a Mets fan, look at this. What do you, uh, Steve Cohen's uh, office call? <laughs> you no, know, I, I, I love it, and you know what? I'm all in for the. Chop busting, you know what? If I can't get American Airlines to take off on time, maybe I'll FaceTime in and just give a couple Mets fans the business. You uh, got FaceTime. it, but
1: yeah, we got to do that, man.
2: Well, we'll, uh, we'll make that happen one way or another. But look, kids, you know, as we uh, as Paul loves to say, hit the sprinklers and close up the concession stands. Uh, do yourself a favor, watch a game, uh, and I and encourage everyone. League World
1: Series this weekend.
2: Got Little League World Series. Uh, you got. Every opportunity in the world to go and go, go down into your man cave or your she shed and find that book of trash talk that you used to have that you, do, you know, break out every once in a while and go find the good stuff and find somebody who cheers for a rival team. Keep it clean. Don't make it personal. Leave people's family out of it. But feel free to throw some crap around because I'm all in for the trash talk. <laughs> yeah,
1: baby. And a big shout-out, first Long Island team in 41 years, Massapequa Coast, Long Island, baby. Kicking it off Friday night. Go get them, boys. And as Tap says, and I say every week, play ball.
0: Woo-hoo.